All right. All right. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. We're going to get started uh, with today's uh, Sunday school lesson. And uh, before we do, uh, let's pray, ask God's blessing on this time together, that His Word would ring true and it would come forth, that it wouldn't be our words, my words. Um, let's pray that He would be glorified with this time that we spend together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, dear God, for your grace and for your mercy. Thank you, dear God, for salvation that we have through your Son, Jesus Christ, O Lord. Um, thank you, dear God, for the mercies that you pour out on us uh, daily, O Lord. Roofs over our head, clothes, transportation, O Lord, health, family. Um, we thank you, dear God, for the many blessings, O Lord, that undeservedly so, O Lord, you so graciously and merci mercifully pour out on us. So, Father, as we gather here, your children, uh, your family, and your house, O Lord, we pray, O Lord, that this time would bring glory to your name. We pray, O Lord, that this time would uh, edify your body, O Lord, that we would uh, grow in the knowledge and wisdom of the Lord. And Father, I pray, O oh Lord, that uh, our hearts would be uh, renewed, strengthened, encouraged, O oh Lord, humbled. Um, all that we need, O oh Lord, before your eyes that see our hearts, that see everything laid bare before you, O oh Lord. You know each and every individual in this room, each and every individual need, O oh Lord. Um, but more than material need, O oh Lord, we, uh, you see our spiritual need. And so, Father, be magnified and glorified, O oh Lord, by the words that are spoken here today. And I pray that we would be edified, O oh Lord, uh, by the words that are spoken here today. Bring glory to your name, O oh Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, so um, before I actually go through the, you know, the title and, and explain what we'll be looking at today, I kind of wanted to start with just a, a couple questions and just, you know, casually with no, you know, no hand raising, no, none of that stuff. But just casually, um, and I'll ask it in two ways, so that if you answer, we're not interpreting that this is necessarily about you, it could be about someone else, you know, the friend that we all have that has those things going on. But as we, as we take a look at our walk with Christ, as we take a look at our Christianity, or, as, or in general, at Christians as we walk in general, um, what do you think are some of the challenges uh, to our Christian walk, to our walk with Jesus Christ, our personal walk? I don't want you to think of two in general. I, I kind of want it to be intimate, real, here with us. We're safe here because we're amongst brothers and sisters and we're charged with keeping each other accountable and encouraging one another, loving one another, etc. So, as family, what are some of the things that challenge us most, maybe on a daily level, in our walk with Christ? I'm hoping to get a couple responses. Uh, and again, let's let's be gracious and let's not interpret. Maybe maybe you can imagine that this is a challenge, and maybe it's not a challenge in your life. So, let's withhold from jumping to conclusions as, as we get answers from people, but um, what are some of the challenges, bigger challenges that we have? Having the eternal perspective or the, the, the vertical perspective during this life now. 
getting so, myself, reeling myself back in. So, so living and walking with eternity in mind versus the, 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 the what's, what's here right now. Yeah. That's a good one. That's a huge one. You're raising your hand. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I would say making sure that the love comes first ahead of the reactions. Mm-hmm. So. Okay. so loving, loving yeah. you're talking about within the context of any anything that's the, the, the making okay. sure the uh, making sure the pride is down okay. so that the offenses are not Multiple. are not even considered. Right. Okay. Oh, I see what you mean. Okay. So pride plateauing, finding a place that you think you're good. You know, all right, this is a good place. You got your devotions, you got your prayer, but but it's not really a walk if it's checklist, you know, right. so always striving for more. Right. You know, right. It's impossible to achieve. And because of that sometimes you right. just kind of find a place, okay, good. Like, let's let's leave it here. Yes. Yes. Anyone else? And in this draw where I became so intrusive and so in your face, making sure that I keep a godly mindset in everything. Not letting the things around me contaminate the things of what God's word is saying. Right. That God's word is not second right. first in right. So, to simplify that, like trusting in a real daily way in God's word. Not taking it for granted. Right. I mean, Absolutely. every morning, really putting on the full armor of God, being in His word, going out prepared, because whether we want to acknowledge it or not, learn about it. Right. And if we're not ready for the warfare, we're going to be taken down. Yeah. Absolutely. That makes me think of BBS. How easy it is to go through the armor of God with the kids right, and kind of hope that they grasp it. But as much as we can say it and recite it, it's like how, how often are we actually uh, putting up, using it, putting on the armor of God? Anyone else? Pastor? I'd say that along with Mike said, have the eternal perspective, but walking using that in the here and now with the body of Christ that I'm considering others so often I'm wrapped up in my own little life right. that everyone else so when a need comes up or whatever oh my god you know right. having that care about the body as a whole today is about uniting all things in Christ having that okay there's a purpose of uniting us being the body standing out having that eternal but here and now perspective yeah like almost like if that makes sense yeah no it does like you know, like waking up one day and realizing like today is not necessarily about me. It's not my day. It's not my day. Exactly. Exactly. I think also another another aspect of that is, you know, that we're constantly, and to a degree, it's true, but we're we're constantly a project. Like every, it's like what is we want to sponge everything in. And again, I'm not saying this is a bad thing. Maybe it's touching a little bit on what Sue was saying. But it's like every day we come to church, it's it's about you know what is. I'm this project that I'm working on. And we're constantly working on this project of me, but we have to be contributors as well to the lives of our brothers and sisters around us, right? So it's, it's, it's not having that mentality of just me, 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 what can I get from this? Although it's good to get and receive from the Word of God, we also have to be laborers as well and contribute to others, especially those that are newer, in the faith, 
and contribute to their growth as well, too. Anyone else have another one? Sure. Um, I think, you know, uh, not waking up with a, you know, the sense of how you feel in the morning to let the day take your day. Mm-hmm. You know, that whole, I woke up on the wrong side of the bed. <laughs> and, um, like, I'll give you, for instance, like, I, you know, one of my first things I do is go, and I, a lot of us do, fight track to go somewhere we're going. Mm-hmm. And based on how that goes, it, it, it gives us, like, we get a negativity the minute we start going somewhere. And we start thinking, you know, oh, this is horrible, I just want to go, you know, this and that, not realizing that where you're going to is a blessing that you were given. The vehicle that you're in is a blessing you're given. The life you were given is a blessing. But you have that negative mindset, period. Right. Right. So we're not, we're not, we're not seeing Christ in yeah. the everyday mundane things. It's I mean, kind I'm of not a, like pastor praying that, uh, with mean, the green lights. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got a green light. But I would like it, though. I would like it. <laughs> all right so i mean i'm sure we could go on uh but there's something that i didn't hear i didn't expect to hear and in fact when you're as you're thinking where the heck is he going with this uh and i show you the title for today it has to do with the confessions that we've been going over i don't know if it was covered but the Lord laid this on my heart to, to cover it. It might be a review. It might not be a review. In fact, I may have skipped one. Uh, but in any case, I'm going to put it up on the screen. And I want you to just take a second and say, where might he be going with this? Is this a struggle in your daily life? Assurance of grace and salvation. Hmm. Is it a struggle? Or maybe... It's not that you're doubting your salvation, right? Because assurance means what? What? Who needs assurance? Doubters do, right? I mean, we all we all need assurance as well, too. We open our scripture and we read God's word that we are assured that the positions we hold in theology and doctrine are the correct positions. We need assurance from scripture. But I want to look at this topic today, although it may not be exactly how the confession intends it, right? because we, we talked about the election and all that in, in the confession, and although it might not be the way it intended, I want to talk about assurance of grace and salvation in how that plays out in our walk with Christ. So I asked you, what are some of the things that affect your daily walk with Christ? And we talked, we, talked, we said all these things, and they're, they're true. You know, there are darker things as well, our individual temptations and, and sins and all that, that we may not have fully surrendered to Christ, which, which I would encourage you to do so, to put it bluntly and, and, and simply. But how does the assurance of grace and salvation play out in our walk with Christ? Right, because if we think about it, if we're fully assured of our salvation and of the grace that we received in Jesus Christ, well, obviously, we're not walking around worried that we're going to sin our way out of salvation, right? And that's not even, like, on the table for today's discussion, right? So I don't want you to think that, oh, what are we talking about? People that doubt their salvation, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But how does that assurance play out in our daily walk? If we are absolutely certain that we are saved by the blood of Christ, and praise His name for it, right? That we are saved by the blood of Christ eternally secure, we are in His hand, no one can snatch them from my hand, He said, right? 
And what should that do for our walk? Let's take a look at uh, point, the first point of our uh, confession. I don't know if you have your book or if you have the website open in Founders and you want to look it up, the 1689 Confession. I'm going to put them on the screen anyway. Let's talk about what it doesn't do. What the assurance of uh, this doesn't do. And, and to do this first, let's just get the big one out of the way. Let's talk about the unsaved people. right? These people don't have assurance of grace and salvation. Right? The first point is temporary believers and other unregenerate people. I'm going to stop right there already. What stands out? There's some of you that are eked and annoyed at something that you see there. You already disagree with something, or at least I did at first. Uh, but there's a word that links it together and, and makes it work here. Well, what, what's, what's annoying you up there? Temporary believers. Temporary believers. Why did they use that term, temporary believer? Is there such a thing as a temporary believer? Well, Jesus said so in the parable of the seeds. In terms of what? The, 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 the seed falls, they believe, and right. walk away by life, and, or worries, and persecution, so they're, they're out. Yeah, it's not absolutely. In terms of John, are you annoyed? I feel like you would be. I can be. Yeah? I'll let you keep talking. Uh, tell me why. Tell me why. You're going to lead me into that. Well, no, I, you know, the question is, uh, Jesus can use that parable, but I don't think that parable necessarily. As a Christian, I can believe and struggle with the things of the rocks and there's all of that. that. That can pertain to me as well. So the argument would be, if you're a temporary believer, did you ever actually believe in the first place? But I think it's from your perspective, and they were doing that in, I think, Second Peter, where it's you even denying the, the Lord who bought you. Well, no. You, you know, it's you think he bought you, you're proclaiming he bought you, and yet you're preaching things and completely deny that. So I can accept temporary believer from the human emotional, I, I think I'm a believer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I just can't accept it from the, you really are a believer and right. now you're not. Right. right. Okay. So, we're going to, uh, Sue, go ahead. Well, for me, the clue is the unregenerated. There you go. Back See, that's what defines the temporary believer. Right. The unregenerated. Alright, so we, we, we fast forward we got to there. So that's where I'm going here. The one word after I read this, and because I know that as we've gone through the confession, some people have disagreed. Just the fact that it's a confession. There's a lot of people, oh, Bible, Bible's the infallible word of God. Amen. Yes, it is. These are summaries of truths from scriptures, right? But the, as I read this, the word that tied it together was other for me. <laughs> Temporary believers and other unregenerate people. Okay, so that lumps in the temporary believers with whom? Unregenerate people. Kind of like the scriptures, right? Where Peter says, hey, uh, Paul's writings and the other scriptures. We use that to understand that Paul, he holds Paul's writings as, as, as valid as scriptures. But temporary believers and other unregenerate people. We're talking about the unsaved people. Right? And from the title, Assurance of Grace and Salvation, we know they don't have it. Right. Some of them might even think they have it, but, but they don't have it. Temporary believers and other unregenerate people may deceive themselves in vain with false hopes and fleshly presumptions that they have God's favor and salvation, but their hope will perish. So we're going to read some, some scripture here. Right, that backs up this point, just like we do with the confession. It's got all the scriptures under each point, etc. But 
just eyeballing this, people deceive themselves in vain with false hopes and fleshly presumptions that they have God's favor. God's favor is a very, uh, what do you call those? Catchphrase, I would say. Uh, God's favor catchphrase that the unregenerate and temporary believers uh, like to use, vainly as this says. Uh, But what are some of those fleshly presumptions that they have? Let me hear some of those. What are some of the fleshly presumptions uh, and false hopes that these unregenerate people have? Health and wealth. Say? Health and wealth. Health and wealth. Health and wealth. Right. Which is the tenet of what? Prosperity gospel, right? Health and wealth. DJ. I'm, I'm going to heaven. I'm free to do whatever I want. That's a a false assurance of salvation, right? I can just do whatever I want, etc. So health and wealth, prosperity. Uh, I can can live as I want because, uh, you know, Jesus was my genie. And now I've got my wish and and I can indulge in all these other things. Anything else? I go to church. I go to church, right? You put your butt in a pew, you're saved. That's, that's what the world thinks. and Right. Exactly. And then the other one is, you know what? As long as things are going well, must mean that I'm saved and I'm in the favor of God. Because, you know, they ignore the Psalms where it says that the wicked do prosper. Right? But their, their bad theology and their lack of knowledge of the Scriptures uh, puts them with vain and false hopes. So to the unregenerate, to the unsaved person, their assurance, in other words, what this is saying is that their assurance is in what? Material things. It's in things that, and it's great because Mike and Pastor talked about it, right? For eternity. Look towards eternity. They're not looking for eternity. They're looking for the right now. What do I have in my hands? This coffee becomes, I must be saved because this coffee is so delicious today. God's favor is on me, right? False hopes that have nothing to do with God's word and nothing with eternity. If we take a look at John chapter 8 verses 13 and 14, somebody want to read this verse out loud? So are the paths of all who forget God. And the hope of the godless will perish, whose confidence is fragile, and whose trust a spider's web. Whose trust a spider's web. Aside from Spider-Man, have you known a spider to have a web that you would place your trust in? If you're falling off a cliff, do you want to be saved and rescued by a spider's web? Absolutely not. (laughs) Depends on the size of the spider. I don't know, maybe. So are the paths of all who forget God. So from the statement that we read that they, their hope will perish, so are the paths of all who forget God and the hope of the godless will perish. So we have scripture agreeing with our first point here in there. Uh, we're only looking at four points today. By the way, we'll look at uh, another, uh, another uh, sorry, two points today. We'll look at two next week. 
whose confidence is fragile and whose trust the spider's web. Why are these godless people, why is their confidence fragile? Because they have placed their trust, their confidence in things that perish. They have placed their trust and confidence in their circumstance. Their circumstance identifies their state. Right, so in today's world, we we don't have to talk about headlines and everything that's going on. Everybody knows all the things that are going on today, right? With all the agendas and all the alphabet soup people and everything that's going on, their confidence is in these temporary identities or in these fragile identities and these fragile principles that disappear and fade along with the next trend. And so the Bible, rightfully so, I'm not, I'm not standing myself above the Bible saying that it's rightfully so, it's just I know that everything in it is right. So I'm agreeing with the Bible, rightfully so. Uh, the hope of the godless will perish. So we talked about assurance of salvation and, and how that might a, a affect us, but what we're saying first is we know that those that are not in Christ, that have not placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ for salvation, all their hopes will perish. They are hopeless. Doesn't matter if they win the $1.06 billion lottery, etc. What does scripture say? Well, what the guy that stored up all the treasure in the barn? You fool? Does it say you fool? I, I, I want to say you fool. I, okay, good. <laughs> you fool. Tonight, what's required of you? Your soul. So they place their faith in these things. Right? Their confidence is fragile and their <coughs> trust is a spider web. So we talk about those people that with false and, 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 and bad doctrine and bad theology, they serve or they go to church. Like Pastor said, I'm in church, I'm good, etc. And they even get involved in ministry. I think some of these people are probably the most... Not here, that church down the street, right? Not us, not anyone we know, but you know that 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 one person, whatever. But they become active in ministry. Why is that, by the way? Why is that that these people? And let's be real, we've seen people come and go, have we? Yes, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm doing tab- saying taboo things here today. But we've seen people come and go. Have these people not been some of the most involved people? in the church, involved from a physical doing things perspective. Yes, of course. But where are they? Where are they now? And that's not to say that everyone that left the church is... I'm not saying that. I'm talking about people that have walked away from the faith. Because Bible Baptist Church is not the only true church. Okay? So let's, let's just... Let's, understand what I'm saying here. In fact, the Lord says it Himself in Matthew chapter 7, famous verse, Many will say to me on that day, Lord, in Your name did we not prophesy, in Your name cast out demons, and Your name do many miracles. And what does the Lord say to them? I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. So, 
We know that it's not just going through the motions. We know that the Lord, number one, sees our hearts. Right? So as we were asked this question when we walked in here, uh, the Lord saw our heart. He knows the things that we struggle with. Right? Some of the things that we struggle with, we wouldn't say in here. Maybe. I, I would have to assume so. Some of the things we struggle with, we wouldn't say in here. Etc. But as we look at these people that have this false and vain hope and their hope will perish because it's not on the eternal, as Mike and Pastor said. Um, and then we look at people that their assurance is, and this is what I'm getting at here, this is, this is where it's kind of hitting, uh, not hitting home in the sense that it's true about some of you or whatever, but in, in that it's in the church, is that doing things, I think this is what you were getting at about with the plateau, just checking off the boxes. Doing things be careful that we are not assuring ourselves because we're doing stuff. Right? Because we slimed Caleb. Or because we hung up decorations. I'm not knocking those things. I'm finding myself sounding more <laughs> a lot like that. I'm not knocking those things, but you know what I'm trying to say. Right? The Lord says, I never knew you. Depart from me. To those who said they did all these things in His Name. Alright? The second second piece of our first point. Right? So what was the first one? The first one is uh, temporary believers and other unregenerate people may declare themselves in deceive themselves in vain with false hopes and fleshly presumptions that they have God's favor and salvation, but their hope will perish. We read our scripture, and then the second part of that first point, yet yet is contrasting, right? So it, it's kind of like the expectation has changed from the first group that we saw to the second group, yet those who truly believe in the Lord Jesus and love Him sincerely so this is making like a this is a serious qualification it's giving right? Because if we ignore that qualification, we're back at the beginning, where it's just I, I guess they, they do stuff, so they're saved, right? This is talking about, this is making presuppositions. Those who truly believe in the Lord Jesus and love Him sincerely, endeavoring to walk in all good conscience before Him. How can we be of a good conscience? When we're not guilty. When we're not guilty. I think it's also because I know why I'm doing this. Right. I, I know. I, I'm getting at truth. What you think. Yes. I'm doing it for this. Exactly. I know in my own self. We violate our conscience. I would almost even say, even in a secular perspective, when we know that we are not being truthful. Right? Conscience kind of walks in hand with truth. And so that's why we see truly believe. Right? in the Lord Jesus and love Him sincerely, endeavoring to walk in all good conscience before Him. To walk in truth before Him. What does it mean to walk in truth before our God? Hey, what the Gospel says about humbling ourselves, repenting, seeking to please Him, to live Him, but also truth involves what? Confession to Him. Right? That we sin. I think... I think we sin, and I think we are assured of our salvation, and we 
forget to confess our sins to our Lord, to our God, who sees them anyway. Right? And so I, I, just me putting things together here, I don't see how we can have a clear conscience. Do we have a clear eternal conscience that our sins are forgiven in Christ? Yes. But we're talking about eternal perspective here, now, as, as Mike said, as John said, as Pastor said, right? How can we walk and endeavor to be in good conscience before God and not confess daily our sins to Him? Because we sin daily. I don't care who you are in this room. We sin daily. In fact, some of you are sinning right now, just getting mad at me because of the little tone that I said that, but we sin daily. I sin multiple times a day. Do I confess my sins every day to the Lord? I'd be lying if I said that, I did. And I'm assuming that anyone here might be lying to you. If they did, right? But in good conscience, in truth before Him, Lord, You're my Savior. But I had this thought. I really wanted to smack G in the head today. You know, he, he came in and, and you know, his sneakers were the wrong color and I had this thought. These are, these are things that we might think frivolous, etc. But if we're truthful, we should confess these sins uh, to God. Alright? So walking in good conscience before Him may be certainly assured. There's kind of like a double statement there, right? Making it like extra true. Making it certainly assured in this life that they are in a state of grace. They may rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Alright, that phrase right there. They may be certainly assured in this life, as opposed to what? Any other life, right? Or the next life. That they are in a state of grace. What is a state of grace? Anybody want to take a shot at what's a state of grace? I, I hadn't intended on asking that question. I just Now that I'm reading it, I want to ask it. So... If you think I'm going to deliver some kind of punchline, like help me out, Eileen. Um, eternally saved. Eternally saved, right? State of grace, Sean. Covered by the blood of Jesus. Covered by the blood of Jesus. That's something you have to qualify for based on what sin you committed. Oh, I'm sorry. The grace doesn't cover that one. Right. We're in a state of grace. State of grace. State meaning what? Position. Positional, continuous, uh, Almost like non-changing, right? I guess you could have multiple you know, states of whatever it is, but that's not the application that this is talking about here. But the state of grace is that we are, we are, not our, we are in this position before God. Like you were saying, and also like all three of you were saying. We are in a state of grace. Grace is what? Unmerited favor. Unmerited favor, right? We, we, we don't deserve this good thing, right? Versus mercy where it's like we're not getting this bad thing, right? That we deserve. Uh, but we are in this position of unmerited favor before the Lord. Is it unconditional? The Is it unconditional? The grace? The grace. Yes. yes. But our, okay, good. Our... You're reminding me of the second beatitude. Blessed are those who mourn, mourn. And they shall be comforted. Uh-huh. That the mourning is over your sin. That, that sin shouldn't defeat you, but it should cause you to rejoice in the comfort of knowing that we're in this state of grace. Right, right. 
And I agree with you fully there. But focusing in on the grace itself, of course, it's unconditional because there wouldn't be grace if it was conditioned. If you meet this requirement, then you get the grace. No, you get the grace, and then it plays out in your life. I think that's where that state of grace comes in, is that once the grace has been applied, and we've unpacked all that, right? Redemption, let's say. Then we are in this state of grace before the Lord, where, yes, we stumble, we falter, we fail, but we've got the grace already in Jesus Christ. Those people, us, that, have, that are in this state of grace, the saved people, as opposed to the other unregenerates and temporary believers, which aren't believers at all, they may rejoice in the hope of glory of God. 1 John 2.3 says, And by this we know that we have come to know Him if we keep His commandments. Right? So, here we go. We are in the state of grace, and in keeping commandments, what word is it referring to back in this statement here? Walking, keeping His commandments. What is that? Endeavoring to walk in all good conscience before Him. So, Scripture is telling us that we know that we have come to know Him, knowledge of Him relationship, right? Knowledge and to know Him. We knew Adam, knew Eve, and they had babies. God knows us relationally, positionally. We're in the state of grace. And we know that we have come to know Him if we keep His commandments. Do we keep His commandments 24-7? No. Absolutely not. Hence the need and necessity of the state of grace. But later on in uh, 1 John chapter 3 and 14, it says, we know that we have passed out of death into life because what? We love the brothers. The one who does not love abides in death. So we're getting at here that we can be assured we're not like those other unregenerates, right? Uh, <laughs> just sounds funny when I say it that way. We're not like them in that our hope doesn't perish. Because our hope is in the eternal. It's, not, it's in the word of God and God's commandments. And we know and we can be assured, right? And this, we know that if we keep his commandments, right? That we know him. 14, we know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. So I hadn't intended on, on even saying this either, but... I think that our love for one another also helps to assure us. And by assure us, I'm not saying it puts us in that position where we are assured. I'm saying that within our internal... What am I trying to say here? We are reassured or assured in to the degree where we love our brothers and sisters in Christ. I don't see how in God's economy, in God's family, there would be family members that do not love one another. And if there are, then maybe they're not members of God's family, is what I'm saying. Okay? Uh, Do we struggle with one another? Absolutely. Husbands, do you struggle? Well, wives, do you struggle with your husbands? I'm going to keep the husbands in the safe. Of course you do. 
right? Husbands, do you struggle with your kids? And we said, do you struggle with kids? Of course we do. We get angry. We 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 get disappointed. We get we're proud and we we love them and all that. But we struggle with them. Do but do we love them? Yes. Yes, we do. I, I think I can confidently look in this room and say, yes, we love our kids. And so, our brothers and sisters in Christ, we know that we have passed out of death into life. We know that from the gospel. But we know and it demonstrates in our lives if we love the brothers. The one who does not love abides in death. Is it wrong to say if you're abiding, what does abide mean? It's also kind of sort of like a state. Right? Yeah. It's like a state of death. And who are those that are in a state of death? The unregenerate, the unredeemed, the unsaved. Right? And so what we're seeing here is, hey, if you're saved, I'm breaking it down into the most basic thing here. If you're saved, you love the church, basically. If you're unsaved, you're still dead in sin and trespasses. How could you love the church? Little children, let us not love with word or with tongue. We're talking about truth. We mentioned conscience, right? Let us not love with word or with tongue, but in deed and in truth. How easy is it to say, Sean, I love you. Mateo, I love you. Praying for you. How are you? How's everything going? How's the family going? Is it bad to say those things? No, absolutely not. But what did we talk about in that statement? Our conscience before God, has to do with truth and keeping His commandments. And what is one of His commandments? To love one another. Right? Hebrew is a Hebrews. that says, especially the household of God. I think it says Hebrews. Right? Little children, let us not love with word or with tongue, but in deed and in truth. And by this we will, what's that word? Know that we are of the truth and will assure our hearts before Him. So what is this assurance of grace and salvation? It's not causing doubt. What I want, the angle that I wanted to take on this is that we can be assured when we recognize these things in our life. Do I love my brothers and sisters here in the church and in the faith? I can be assured. I can know that I'm of the truth. And my heart will be assured before Him. A couple verses more. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. Right? What we're saying is, we know whether we love the brothers or not. Right? We can lie to those around us, but we can't necessarily lie to ourselves. We know we're lying to ourselves, right? If we're telling the lie and we know it's not true, then we know it is, right? Verse 24, And the one who keeps his commandments abides in him. There's that state of being in him, right? In Christ. And he in him, in Christ in us. We know by this that he abides in us by the spirit whom he gave us. That's where we're getting at. There's our assurance. That's the whole key there to the assurance of grace and salvation is that we have the Spirit. What Spirit? Holy Spirit. Right? What does Ephesians <laughs> say about the Holy Spirit? He is 
are what? The guarantee of our salvation. Right? If we have the Holy Spirit, we'd be moved in love for the brethren. And if we have the Holy Spirit, we have the assurance of salvation according to Ephesians. Last verse to make this point here. 1 John 5.13 These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. So when we contrasted the unregenerate people to now you who truly believe and truly love Jesus Christ, John is telling us here that he's writing these things to us who believe in the name of the Son of God. So those of us who believe in Jesus Christ, he's letting us know these things, that you love the brethren, right? that you walk in conscious of truth in your heart before him, that you're assured before him, that you honestly love the brethren. He says, these things I've written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. So there's more assurance, right? So that you may know that you have eternal life. There's a lot of knowledge going on in these scriptures. There's a lot of knowledge going on in these verses. And as we have just uh, two minutes, I think we have. Is that right? Yeah. Two minutes. And so we know all of these things by comparing and doing, uh, doing reflection in our lives, comparing it to God's word and his commandments. And then we can know that we have eternal life if we are doing these things again. Does that mean we do them perfectly? No. But when we recognize that we're not doing them perfectly, or that we're not doing them at all, going back, that's where our confession comes to the Lord. Right? We confess we're not doing these things, Lord. I humble myself. Give me a heart that I would love the brethren and so that I can know, not from a perspective of doubting the gospel, but so that I can be reassured in my heart before God. That my conscience is clear before God. And so there's a lot of knowledge there and I just threw in this quote here that's all. We know that Wisdom is what? The fear of the Lord is, is wisdom. But in... Uh, what's the term that I'm trying to use here? In application, uh, kind of like in, in everyday language. What's the word? Layman's terms. Layman's terms. I, I can't remember exactly what I had. I, I had it when I wrote this down, but I forgot it. Definition of wisdom in kind of in, in your everyday English, Right? is wisdom is knowledge applied. Right? Wisdom is knowledge applied. So the things you know, we know in truth from Scripture, we would be wise to employ them. Right? That's not from Scripture. It's not infallible. It's not anything. It's just a definition of Wisdom, which is knowledge applied. So if you know the Lord, if you know His commandments, if you know His statutes, if you know that we should be loving the brethren, well, then wisdom is, let me take that knowledge and actually apply it, right? And then the last piece for this one says, and this hope will never make them ashamed, okay? Uh, I've got some verses in here to talk about this. But I'm going to leave that there. 
Next week we finish this first point. I knew was going to be the one that we uh, spend the most time on. Uh, next week we'll finish up the other three points, which are a little shorter, etc. But assurance of salvation. So again, it's not what you thought. It's not a, oh, can I know that I'm saved or whatever? But it's how that assurance should play out in our lives. So I have the assurance. What am I doing with that assurance? Am I loving the brethren? Was point number one. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that our salvation is sure and eternal. It is imperishable for it was purchased with imperishable seed, which is the blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And so, Father, as we looked at these definitions, as we looked at this confession, at this statement, as we looked at your Scriptures, O Lord, I pray, dear God, that you might help us take away from this that we need to love one another. Your word says that evidence that we love your Son is that we love one another. And so in doing so, we can be assured in our hearts, in our conscience, that we have grace and salvation from you, O Lord. Because you have given us your spirit, O Lord, as your word says. And along with your spirit, O Lord, the fruit of your spirit. And so, Father, uh, do a work in us, O Lord, that your spirit would do a work in us, that we would confess our sins before you, sins that others don't know, but that you see them, O Lord, that we would lay them before you, that we can walk and endeavor to obey your commandments, O Lord. Um, that uh, even though at face value our brothers and sisters can see us and, and maybe nod their head in approval, O oh Lord, you see our hearts. And it's not just doing things, but actually knowing you, O oh Lord. And so, Father, help us to grow in love for one another. And I pray, O oh Lord, that you bring us together again next week as we look at the remaining points of this confession, O oh Lord. Be glorified, be magnified, and I pray that you be with service, be with pastor as he brings uh, the sermon. I pray, O Lord, that your name would be glorified and that we would be edified. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.